Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this interview, I talk to Melissa, and she's a mother, and she also works in the high-tech industry. Plus, she's also a student in five-figure niche site, and she's been in the course for about a year, and she recently crossed over the $300 per month mark, which is pretty awesome considering how busy she is. And we get into some of those details in the conversation. Maybe some of that was off the record. I can't remember exactly what we recorded, but we do geek out on a lot of data, spreadsheets, and keyword research. We do get to hear about how Melissa has been blogging for years. And for a while, she wasn't really concerned with monetizing. And over time, She did get interested in that, and that's how she ended up checking out some of my content and affiliate marketing in general. Now, one kind of funny thing, I thought it was a little bit amusing and more interesting, right? You you let me know what you think, but she bought the course for herself for her birthday, which I thought was amazing. And I immediately told my wife because I thought she'd be sort of appalled to hear that someone actually paid money to hear me talk and got it for their birthday present. I mean, I think it's great. I think everyone should do that, but I know my wife <laughs> would would have other opinions. Anyway, as normal, we get into the details of the, the keyword research, the content, her process in general, link building, and so much more. So if you do have questions from Melissa that you want me to ask in a follow-up interview, just shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. I really enjoyed talking to Melissa. I think we had a lot of sort of similar uh, background and that sort of thing. So it was fun chatting with her in general. Quick note, we also have several upcoming interviews with other success story folks. So again, I've been asking, hey, what do you guys want to hear? You want to hear success stories, people from all different walks of life and different locations and so on and so forth. So those are coming up. Keep a lookout for them. Uh, as we go through the next several weeks and months and so on, share it with a friend. That is one of the best ways you can help out to grow this podcast, to help me spread the word, to help me get in touch with other people to share their stories. Melissa, thanks for joining me today. How's it going? Good. Thanks so much for having me on. And we're going to dig into a lot of details and stuff, but Sounds good. S- since people don't know you at all, can you give a little intro about who you are and maybe what your, your full-time yeah, job absolutely. is these days? My name is Melissa. I'm a student in Doug's course. I found it just from looking around, trying to figure out how to go do this whole Amazon affiliate thing. I work in the technology industry as my day job, and I've been running websites for about six years, but this was my first affiliate site. I joined Doug's course about a year ago, actually, a year ago in July. So I've had my first full year doing this in particular, and it's been really interesting. I've learned a lot. Cool. So when you were blogging in the past, you said about six years, was it just yeah. a hobby? Like what was the goal back then? Yeah, absolutely. It was just a hobby because, you know, I wanted to share stuff I was learning um, about a year ago. So right before I found your course, I actually got my site on Mediavine, which was really, really exciting for me. So it was a hobby that I finally figured out, hey, maybe I can do a little bit more with something I actually like to do. Okay. And I guess you you knew that you could make money, but it was was a hobby or did you come in it sideways and you were just thinking, hey, I want to share information and then you realized. Yeah, exactly. I was just kind of like, hey, I can share information. And then I kind of started getting more into the SEO side of things and building traffic and that site I got on Mediavine, I really dug in and over a year, I like doubled my traffic just by going and, you know, keeping up with new fresh content, but going and updating older stuff more targeted for keywords as well. So I got a kind of a taste of accidentally, the, hey, look at all this traffic I can build and then I can do something with it too. Okay, very cool. And how much traffic like were you getting and just kind of the growth? I'm curious about the previous project because a lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I want to make money. Yeah, it you took came me- in. Yeah. I went from like 10,000 to 20,000 sessions in about a year. And then it was another maybe six months for that other five sessions, 5,000 sessions to meet the Mediavine threshold of 25,000. So, Okay, awesome. And I guess when you were like getting into blogging and stuff, were your family and friends uh, like 
interested in what you were doing or was it just a little fun thing? Did they? Yeah, it was any... a fun thing. And a lot of my friends did it too. It was kind of like peer pressure that got me to start a blog because they were like, Melissa, you should really have a blog. Everybody has a blog. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it. And it just kind of went from there. Okay. So when you enrolled in the course, obviously you're thinking, yeah. hey, I probably want to start something new. And exactly. can you tell us a little about um, sort of the the process of that? And like, obviously the course is uh, reasonably expensive and just like, like yeah, investing this is in it. Sound kind of silly, but I bought it for myself as a birthday present because, you know, I just gotten the site on other site on Mediavine and I was kind of getting a taste of what I could do building traffic. And I knew, okay, I'm good at building traffic. I can do it. You know, it took me all these years, but knowing what I know now, I would do things so much differently with a new website. So I want to start over. Um, but I had been attracted to affiliate marketing marketing for a while, and I had found your blog, and I was reading it. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to take this course. I'm going to invest in it as a birthday present to myself and see where things take me. All right. That's awesome. And I did – we had like a pre-interview discussion, yeah. and I did tell my wife that. And, yeah, she, <laughs> she had a chuckle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Let's talk a little bit more about the site that you started. So, sure. and actually I'll leave it open and you could sort of take us, take us through it from, you know, picking the niche and some of the yeah, keyword sure. research. So uh, for me, picking the niche was important that it was something I was interested in because I wanted to start out at least doing most of the work myself. And I found some really attractive niches, but I was like, I just don't find this interesting. And if I'm doing this myself the first time, I, I have to be interested, right? It has to be something that I at least find interesting. So I went off of that. Uh, I will say it's a very wide area versus something really narrow, but I have launched um, in April this year, I launched two really narrow niche sites kind of as part of the deal, which I'll talk about a little bit more. Um, so I just started kind of pick my niche, all the website stuff, you know, WordPress themes, all that stuff. Uh, I, I knew how to do all that already, right? Because I've been doing websites for a long time. So that was very easy for me basic keyword research I had gotten into, but the KGR was a total game changer for me. And so, of course, I started most of my content. I've been doing the, you know, the content sprints and trying to focus on a good balance of informational posts to build that traffic, but also um, affiliate posts, of course, to sell stuff and make money, right? So I've just kind of been chugging along on it. You know, once I write, the, okay, I'm going to write these next 10 articles, write them, go do a little more research, write the next 10 trying not to get too paralyzed with the keyword research because that's really easy to do. So I try to just make my list of what's my goal for the next, you know, 10, 15 posts, write them and then kind of start the process over again. Okay. And how much content is on the site right now? I think about a hundred posts and I try to keep everything at least around a thousand words. Some are a little bit more, some are longer form factor, but I think about a hundred. Okay. And is it about 50-50 informational to product or where is it at currently? Yeah, I would say actually about 50-50 because I've been doing some experimenting on my own, just trying to find like really juicy informational search terms and, you know, write a quick article about it, uh, about those to build some of the traffic. So yeah, I would say it's a pretty good balance. My uh, article with the highest amount of views, believe it or not, is an info post I sat down right and like wrote in 20 minutes off of some random keyword I found. And it turned out to be this uh, this I have some I've added some affiliate links to it, but it's just this post that went wild for some strange reason. And I'm still not good at predicting what's going to take off really well and what's just going to flop. Yeah. Interesting, because I hear that so often. Do you happen to remember the search volume for that keyword that you were targeting? It was definitely it was probably around 130, I want to say. But, it, you know, I've, I've read some stuff on your site that you've had um, some of your other friends write about, like, you know, cluster topics and stuff like that. So I think I accidentally hit a good cluster topic with a lot of zero volume search terms, like okay. purely by accident. And that's how that one happened. Awesome. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, I think you accidentally do it and then it's hard to you try to replicate it. Right. And I'm trying to figure out again, how do I replicate this? And I haven't quite done it yet, but I'm still working on it. Yeah, it's it's so hard to figure out because there's just so many factors and you don't know exactly which long tails unless you really dig in. I guess you could maybe figure it out. So what about, um, I guess, most most of the writing, it sounds like you were doing. Is that yes. accurate? Okay. Yes. Um, I started outsourcing a little bit and my two new sites are mostly outsourced just because I just you know, I work full time. I have kids. I just don't have the time. But there's something I wanted to pursue because what I learned um, <clears throat> last fall, I got Google updated pretty hard on my Mediavine site and I lost like half my traffic. 
I've built a lot of it back, but that was kind of a lesson to me to try to A, diversify my traffic sources, diversify my website. So hopefully when Google comes out with an update, right, not all of my sites get hit, maybe just one or two of them. So try, I'm trying to build like a portfolio of sites at this point. Okay. And do you have, I mean, most people don't, but I'll ask anyway, do you have any idea what the issue was with the last Google update and that? I have no, like a, I have no clue. Okay. No idea. Yeah. Uh, one of the more recent ones put a lot of my traffic back. So that was nice. Again, I don't know why that happened. It was just kind of, I don't know, unlucky, I guess. Okay. So when you look at the analytics, it, there's a drop and then it basically comes back up a few yeah, months later. It looks like a lot of my, um, it was basically my position on a lot of my articles that were bringing me a lot of traffic. I was on the first page and then I wasn't. So. Yeah. I hear that a lot just from these, <laughs> these most recent updates where you're not drop like you're not penalized. There's no major issue, but yeah, there's no major just issue. Enough. Just I lost position across a lot of stuff. And when I started digging in on where I lost ranking, I couldn't say that the stuff that ranked over me was that much better than my own content. So just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to pinpoint. It is very hard. So on to link building, did, have you done a lot of link building? Like what sort of I haven't are? actually. Not really. I've done some blog commenting, but that's about it. I haven't gone crazy building links. I picked up some over time, but that's not really something I focused on. I focused more just on generating quality content. All right. Do you know maybe how many links you got naturally just over time? I think about 50 just from not doing much at all, just from like posting places and stuff like that, which is pretty decent. Um, I hit it hard for a month or two, and then I pretty much died off of it and went back to focusing on content. Okay. And are the, are the 50, does that include some of the blog comments that you did? Yeah, it includes some of the blog comments. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I was going to say that I've heard from actually most of the interviews that I do, most people are not building links. Only That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me wonder, though, if I spent the time doing it, could I, you know, build things to the next level. But it, it's one of those things that's kind of tedious. And I know you talk about a lot on your case study where you kind of purchased an existing site and are working on it that you outsource a lot of that. So that's something I'm definitely looking at. Yeah. And the other part, I was chatting with a previous interview. I think it just went out in the last couple of days at, at the time we're recording this, but talking to Rob Atkinson and he, you know, does a lot of link building, but he has a, a much bigger team. And then one of the parts that, it's hard to understand the impact and, and quantify like what those links are doing mm -hmm, in, exactly. in the short term. So, and we're doing like a hundred other things at the same time. So I understand why people don't put in the time up front. For the content, do you have any, since you are writing it yourself, do you have any specific tips for doing it effectively and efficiently? Practice. Um, the more you do it, the faster you get. I try to, for my affiliate articles, you know, in the course, you kind of train us on here's your Amazon review format you should use. And I've kind of tweaked it a little bit for something that like is very formulaic for me, move things around a little bit. So I pretty much always stick to the same exact format. I start with researching my products. I pick my products before I even write anything down. And then I start kind of writing and, you know, reviewing and all that kind of stuff. And that really helps. And it's just practice, right? The more you do it, the faster you get. Yep. And for the informational topics, mm -hmm. do you have any tips on that? Tips for informational topics. Same thing. Figure out what you're going to write about. Do your research. And those I'm a little more freeform with because, you know, I'll try to maybe rank for a couple long tails in a post or two. So I think I had emailed you back early on in the course saying, okay, so when I'm trying to pick like my main one, I'm, uh, going after what do I do so I try to stick with the lowest KGR score for my main thing and kind of bring in some other things I try not to publish anything less than a thousand words which is hard right because you write something you're like I really only have 500 words to say about this this is just a boring topic I have to write about so that's why I'll try to like target you know a couple different things have a nice intro have a nice conclusion and try to dig up some other things to write about in there and if I do publish something that's um 700 words maybe i'll make a note of it and then a month later i'll make sure i go back and update it and try to crank out another couple hundred words gotcha and yeah i'm running into that a new site that i'm launching right now sometimes it's just a really narrow topic and 
I mean, how much can you go on and on exactly. about a one word answer? So sometimes you just have to answer it and move on. All right. For keyword tips, we're going to yes. kind of go granular in a couple different areas. Yeah, sure. So you mentioned KGR, but yeah, mm -hmm. what other keyword advice can you give folks? That's another thing that's practice, right? Because when you first start doing keyword research, it's really easy to um, kind of get lost in it, right? And you spend all this time paralyzed over keyword research. So what I do, one thing that I found really helpful is if I'm picking a current area, um, what's the example you always use for the course? Like something? Uh, we'll use ballpoint pen. How about ballpoint that? pens? All right. So like ballpoint pens, right? So you're, I use, um, a couple of different keyword tools, KW Finder, which you recommended as one of the products. That was a game changer. I was using all free stuff before your course and just paying for a tool. It, it's just a game changer. It saves so much time. And for me, that's really important, making the most of the time I do have. So like I'll say, OK, I'll make a spreadsheet kind of based off of one of the templates you had in the course and, you know, put, OK, seed term, ballpoint pen. Right. So I'll go and I'll start looking at keywords and maybe I find best ballpoint pen and then maybe I find best ballpoint pen for writing about cats. I don't know, something else. Right. And I'll kind of troll through those different terms and then start using them as the main search tool, search word in the tool. Right. And you'll get different results based on what you put in there. So I kind of try to do my research by picking one of those main topics and trolling around in there until I find like I have enough of keywords for maybe like 10, 15, 20 articles. And you'll be surprised on how many times you start there and you end up something someplace almost completely different, but it's still good, solid terms that you can use for articles. Perfect. And I think so I was doing this recently, but let me know if you found this to be the case. A lot of times those will end up being sort of the cluster topics to help support yes, exactly. other topics. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, just side note, I, when I was doing that research, I found some weird, obscure portion of the internet and that happens too where i'm like what the, what are they what is like you, this? you end up in a rat hole so easily it's like how did i end up here like i was looking about ballpoint pens now i'm here like how did yeah, that happen some weird fetish thing and yeah it, like i was like what am i even looking at there's all these youtube videos and stuff i mean i'll tell you about it later but yeah it's beyond the scope <laughs> it's important to kind of you know you get so so stuck on looking for the best ballpoint pen right and maybe maybe that's not the topic to talk about. Maybe it's the best ballpoint pen for something else. Um, so being able to kind of get out of your head and try something new in the same topic cluster, right? So there's another tool that's free and kind of has a bad word in it, keyword shitter. Have you heard of that yeah. one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll just put something in there and then look at the terms it gives me and pick one of those and go off on another tangent. For the people that don't know that tool, can you just describe what it does and then how your yeah. process goes? Yeah, absolutely. So... Keyword shitter, you can Google, Google it, it has a funny name, but you put a keyword in it and all it does is blast other associated keywords at you. So if you put in ballpoint pen, it'll say, you know, ballpoint pen, best ballpoint pen for XYZ, blah, blah, blah. But then it'll bring in terms that are more loosely related to. So you might get from ballpoint pen to um, highlighters, right? And you're like, oh, you know what? I never thought about writing about highlighters. So maybe I should do that too. So it's a really good way to get out of your head and maybe discover something new in the area that you're looking at to pursue. Mm -hmm. Very good. And do you know the source data for? I don't actually. Yeah, I was wondering that because it's sort of like, it's not exactly like autocomplete. In no, fact, it's not it's, exactly autocomplete. But yeah, you'll end up with like the hundreds of keywords and then do you throw it into um, then KW Finder and then get a look at search volumes yeah, and other sometimes details? Sometimes I'll do that. Um, Sometimes I'll throw the whole, whole list in or I'll just pick a term that seemed interesting and pop that in and see what KW Finder comes back with. Okay, very good. Yeah, and I never got into keyword shitter, but I know a couple of my friends use it also. I only use it when I'm kind of stuck, when I'm like, all right, I really want to do something in this area, but I just am, I'm not thinking the right way. Or I pop it in. It's just a really good way to get out of your head and think of something new when you're stuck. Because that's the hard thing, especially when you're doing, you know, your... Um, initial selection on your topic, you know, you have something in your head, I really want to write about cats, right? I really want to write about cats, but guess what? Everybody else is writing about cats too, and it's so competitive. So maybe I should do something else. And just kind of, maybe you don't end up writing about cats, but you end up, about, end up writing about cat food or something like that. Maybe it's a cat food site. I don't know. I'm 
I don't have cats. I like them. I don't have any, but I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> so it's really important, especially when you're working on your initial topic selection to get out of your comfort zone, try to kind of think ahead and okay, I'm talking, I'm talking about cats right now, but can I expand that later on to cats and birds or something like that, or cats and birds and dogs. So it's important to just kind of see what's out there. Don't burn too much time because you could spend um, forever. I think I spent probably about a week to pick my, topic for my main site and after that I was just like and that was one of the things you taught like don't get paralyzed right so spent about a week really like that's all I did was keyword research like I filled up a notebook I had exposed rate sheets I just hammered on it until I found something I was comfortable with that I knew would have enough longevity to keep me going right because you don't want to be too narrow because if you can't write about enough of it you can't make enough money yeah and it's it now that you're talking about how much time that you spent on it I mean, this was a great birthday present to yourself yeah. here. I mean, so much enjoyment. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, like I said, for some reason, I think websites are fun and relaxing and it's a nice hobby. And if I can do something different and make some money with Amazon affiliates, why not? Awesome. Now, with the keywords, obviously you have like over 100 posts at, at this point, And it sounded like mm -hmm. you would just find as many as you needed for a short time. So right. is that how you approached it? So you didn't like burn yeah, too much but, time? Yeah, so but so... One other thing I love to do, and I think everybody should do this, is have a spreadsheet of all your blog posts that you're always constantly updating, right? So you can say, okay, what topics have I written a lot about? So let me add to that pillar, right? And that's how I kind of naturally built the content pillars on my site. I didn't start thinking about, oh, I'm going to make a content pillar on cats. I didn't, I just kind of noticed, okay, I've wrote three or four articles about this topic. I need to dive into that area more, do some more research and really build that out. So I think every blogger, and this is something that I've had since I had my first website, you should have a list of all your blog posts. So it's something easy for you to refer back to and say, have I written about this before? And when I'm writing about something new, what can I link it to that I've already done? I wish you would have told me that before I started Niche Site Project because it's a mess. <laughs> I have no idea what's out there. All right. That's, uh, that's good to know. And I think one of the things I hear a lot of people do is they will get stuck in that keyword research phase. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to find like hundreds of keywords when, I mean, it will take weeks to even write 10 yeah, articles, no, even if you do hire that. someone. Don't do that. Um, you just need to do enough to get your first set out there, but enough to prove to yourself that it's an area to per pursue. And I have another example. I have a, another website that I decided to write a blog about blogging, which was a really bad idea because it's super competitive, but I'm like, Hey, I like blogging. Let me start a website about blogging. That's not on the media mind site. That's another one. But in the last year or so being part of five figure niche site, I've pivoted it completely just because I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get any more of this. I'm not going to get traffic. I'm not going to make money. So I have pivoted that into something completely different that's starting to do much better. And I, that's a website like I have a Pinterest account for and all that stuff. If you get to the point where you're like, man, maybe I didn't just through it. It actually is really easy to pivot, especially when you're working with a site that's been around for a while. Right. So don't kill yourself trying to pick the perfect topic. It doesn't exist. But just know later on you can adapt and you can branch out and, you know, it's not like you're locking yourself forever to this one topic. How did you approach the pivot? Uh, I just kind of slowly started doing it, adding new types of topics that still related to my initial topic. And um, over time, does it no longer become a blogging site? Do I get rid of that content? I don't know, because it's actually starting to pick up, I think, because I have some other articles that I've written on different topics that, you know, I use KGR for all that stuff that's been picking up. And I've noticed an uplift in all the other older content as well, just because I guess Google's viewing the site as, hey, maybe this is a little more authoritative. Maybe they do know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. So it was just something I kind of slowly did over time. I still wrote some stuff about blogging and stuff like that, but you know, I was adding other articles and the whole site as a whole has been doing the best that it's ever done. So that's been interesting too. Oh, that's pretty cool. And how many sites do you have total? <laughs> Wait, let me count. This is going to be interesting. So one, two, I think six. Okay. Not all of them make money right now. Um, but, but yeah, I probably have too many, but it's okay. okay. And I noticed that like if people are like, okay, you have six websites, you're probably insane. I tend to, um, I love a good planner, right? So I sit down and I say, okay, what are my goals for the week? I'm going to work on this site this week. And I'm not always working on everything, right? But you will get burned out on something if you only focus on one thing at a time. So I like to kind of have 
multiple things to focus on available with me. If I'm like, okay, I have an hour at night, what am I going to do? There's always something to do. Even if I'm so sick of this one website, I don't want to look at it anymore. Okay. And I mean, I think it's pretty normal. I mean, you've been blogging for a long time also. So six sites and it sounds like there were, there's a couple newer affiliate sites. Yeah, they're newer. Okay. Tell us about those. I made a whopping dollar off of one of them so far. Um, I actually did something a little different with those and that I focused more on info content first versus affiliate content. And that was just kind of a play of, can I build traffic faster that way? Because I found some really, really just juicy search terms. It's been working out okay. So I launched them in April. One is a domain that was old that I bought from GoDaddy Auctions. And the other one was a brand new domain I registered. And the one with the domain that's new is actually doing a little better than the old one. So I don't know because they're two completely unrelated topics. I don't know if I just picked one topic better than the other, but that was a little test I wanted to do for myself too, to see if I buy an older domain doesn't help. Um, it didn't, but uh, that could just be I, the, the topic with the older domain is much more competitive than the other one. So I think that's really what it is. All right. Did the, this, the domain from the, the auction, did it have content already or was it just a, an existing No, it was domain? just sitting there parked. Okay. I think that if it was an existing blog and had at least a little content, it mm-hmm. may have helped a little bit more. But Yes, because I got my husband into this too, and he bought a domain that had some um, activity in Search Console. The site had been taken down, but he went and you know published articles for all those uh, areas that were getting traffic, and he's seen things get going a lot faster with that. So yeah, absolutely. All right, so you got your husband into it a little bit too. I did, yes. <laughs> Does the site that he has, yeah, does his site count in the six or do you? No, he has his own sites. You know, we're married, we have children, but we, we don't share our website. You don't have so joint. Okay. We, we can't, we can't Different cross Different registrars. Off. Okay, got yeah. it. That's pretty funny. So, um, and has he done any blogging before or he's just picked yeah, it up from you? Yeah, I know he's been doing, he was one of the people that actually got me into blogging. So yeah, he's been doing it for a while too. Okay, cool. Very cool. So he he had a site and it is picking up a little faster and it's remained in the same topic area. Mm -hmm. All right. Interesting. That's that's pretty cool. And did he go through like the the course stuff too, or is he taking a different approach? He might know someone that does his keyword research for him. Me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm trying to teach him, but I'll just be like, you know, it's quicker if I just give you some stuff and here's a KGRs and have at it. Okay. Cool. Now Obviously, you've been blogging for a while and you were making some money and mm-hmm. you, you hit $300. So has this had any like great impact on your life so far? So I'm trying to look at it as, can I take the money that I'm making and reinvest it in the websites? That's what kind of led me to launch the two additional sites. So I'm kind of looking at this as more of a longer term thing. What can I make now and can I reinvest it to make this something more later on? So that's kind of been my strategy, just reinvesting what I make into this site. And like I said, I launched two other sites as well that are mostly outsourced from the content perspective. And where are you hiring the writers from? Um, A service called Content Pit that I saw on, I think Spencer Hawes, maybe his website. Okay. That has been pretty good. We tried the Upwork stuff and I just don't have the time to go in there and, you know, figure that out. So... Yeah, I hear that. I've heard of Content Pit. I think they, the founders actually emailed me and said that they were super busy, but we should work together. So I should <laughs> circle back with them and see yeah, what's absolutely. going on. Okay. And the quality is pretty good from what you find? Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And I'm curious, you do have a technical background and yes. I wonder, have you noticed any skills from your, you know, your day job helping you work for yourself here? I'm very data oriented, which I think helps. Like I have massive spreadsheets of everything and I almost think that I track things a little too well and maybe I'm a little overboard with it, but I just find keeping track, you know, I keep track of, you know, I have a master list of all my terms. I have them color coded based on, have I written it? Do I plan on writing it? Whatever. And then one thing that I found interesting is I have a bunch of articles that I wrote at the beginning that I'm looking at. Okay. Let me look at them in the last year. I haven't had a lot of activity on them 
So what do I do about it, right? Go back and update them. But when I relook up the KGR, because I saved it from when I did it a year ago, um, the all entitled re results are much higher than they were a year ago, right? So I'm like, oh, maybe this one's not going to work out so well. So can I, you know, throw some other terms in there, figure out something else to do? So I'm definitely very into tracking things over time. So I can go back and say, okay, well, maybe I expected this kind of uplift from this article and I'm seeing something better. I'm seeing something worse. So how can I change what I'm doing about that? So I'm very data oriented. That's my big thing. Like I have spreadsheets of, you know, everything I've made. Um, I, I'm very into Google Analytics and Google Search Console. I lived in those tools before I even launched this site. Like that was just something as a blogger I used to drive my own traffic and just kind of, you know, update content and stuff like that. So I'm very into the tools and the data. From the search console, are there yes. any areas that you look specifically at to perhaps improve the content? Yeah, so I definitely, I go into search console, I'll take a look at my articles. And one thing I like to do is sort things by impressions. So I look specifically for articles that have a lot of impressions, but not a lot of traffic. They're not getting the clicks. So then I dive into that and I look at the terms that come back on that article and I look at their positions and I'm like, all right, what's on the second page right now and can I drive that up or what's in position 10 can I drive that up to position five so I'll try to focus on you know articles that have a lot of impressions but not a lot of traffic because you know Google's doing something with it right and then I go okay what are the terms that I think I can easily move up that'll fit naturally into my writing right because I'm not into keyword stuffing and just slamming stuff in there for the sake of putting it there I want it to seem natural so I'll target those terms. And when I do that, I'll actually um, record the data right in the spreadsheet, like, okay, on this date, I added 300 words, and I focused on these terms. So later on, I can go back and check their ranking and see what they've done. Perfect. That was well said. Is there a minimum threshold that you filter for for the number of impressions so you get rid of the noise? Um, you know what, I can't say a number that I filter, but I've noticed it's been very natural. Like, so if I'm looking at a, you know, all my search terms and, you know, the top five search terms have 500 impressions and then it drops to 20 impressions. I'm not bothering with that 20 impression item right now, right? I'm trying to focus on the stuff that's getting a lot of impressions right now. And you'll sometimes you'll go to optimize an article, you'll open it up and you'll see that very clear delineation. Okay, here are these terms that are getting a lot of views uh, or a lot of impressions, not views, right? they're getting impressions. So let me work those in and then you'll see that natural drop off and other times you open an article and you see it's very scattered, right? There's no clear terms that have more impressions than others. Honestly, I don't even bother with those unless I see something that sticks out in my mind knowing the content that I can incorporate quickly. I won't waste my time on those. Maybe I'll go check in another couple months to see if it's changed at all. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's like I know many people get overwhelmed with all the data in actually in any of the tools and it's yeah. hard when you first see it to figure out what to do with it. So yeah, exactly. Awesome. And then just curious if you had any specific examples where you made those changes and then it exploded like tons yeah, of traffic. So um, my, I don't know if this is tons of traffic exploded, but my site I got on Mediavine over the course of a year, I had done nothing with keyword research whatsoever. I just wrote articles that I thought were interesting. So like I literally, I think I hadn't logged into even search console ever at that point. Um, so I kind of over the course of a year and I have like probably closer to 500 posts on that point on that site at this point in time. So it was probably like two, 300 when I started doing that, I went back and I went through everything and I optimized every article I added to it. I updated it. And over time I, I saw my traffic double in the course of a year, basically. So that was, what was that? That was 10,000 to 20,000 sessions, not page use sessions. Um, so it doesn't seem like a lot, but for me, having you know gotten to 10,000 sessions, never looking at a keyword in my entire life, I thought that was pretty good. Um, so taking that to the next level. And then when I was doing that, I changed the way I was writing gradually over time too, where now I do do keyword research, even for that blog, before I start writing versus, oh, I have this random idea, let me just go write a blog post. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. No keyword research and, you know, in spite of that, you did really. Yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even know um, what a keyword was really. I kind of knew, but I was like, eh, whatever. This seems interesting. I'm gonna write a blog about it. But yeah, so let's um, talk about some tools and stuff. I didn't yeah. tell you I was gonna ask this, but you you mentioned data so much. So there's 
the ones you already mentioned, Google Analytics, Search Console, KW mm -hmm. Finder. Yes. What are some others that you have used? A good old fashioned spreadsheet that I can pivot and sort and do whatever I want to is probably my favorite tool, as silly as that sounds. KW Finder has a lot of, they do rank tracking too. So I've done some messing around with rank tracking, but those are my pretty much um, go-to just because I use spreadsheets all the time, right? So it's just something I'm used to for my day job. I just put everything in a spreadsheet and I divide my spreadsheets based on topic. Like for the site I have a Pinterest account for, I have, okay, here's my, gotta have that spreadsheet with all your blog posts. If you don't have it now, go make one. You gotta have it. So I have my spreadsheet with my blog posts, my spreadsheet with my Pinterest keyword research, my pen spreadsheet with my pin descriptions, right? And then I have, you know, my keywords for my articles and stuff like that. So I like to build a massive spreadsheet for each site where I kind of keep everything and track it over time. That's a big thing, tracking it over time to um, make sure you're making progress. Like I like to try to take one day a month where I just dive into all of my sites and I, I check um, analytics and I'd be interested on your feedback on this. I check analytics and search console like daily because I'm crazy, but I think that's probably not the best use of my time to every day look at the data because if you go away for a week and you log back in and I learned this accidentally, you see much more of a change than if you're hammering on it every day, right? So I'd be interested in your feedback of like, what's a good interval to kind of check in on your data, right? Check in on your analytics, check on your search console and check your progress. I think once a week is a good balance. Like you said, it's enough time for things to change. I think if you look every day, you you can get a little obsessed and then yeah, exactly. It, it's not super helpful. I do encourage people to like use some sort of a rank tracker or something so that you can see if there's some, mm -hmm. if there's something wrong, you could actually just do it with analytics and see like, Oh, traffic's way down compared to where yeah. we should be on that day of the week, for example. But yeah, in general, like just continually looking at the data is like looking at the news over and over It's again. almost like data overload and you can use your time a lot better, right? So, you know, I think what I'm going to try to do going forward is pick that one day a week and one, one day a month too, where I go and look back at the monthly view, right? What have I done over time? And what are the articles that I expected to see an increase in? Have I or have I not? And sometimes you'll see like a dark horse. It's like I, I did a test where I just published all these info articles and let them sit and moved on to the next thing. I'm like, I think it's going to take about three to six months to see anything. And sure enough, three months later, I'm starting to see some good traffic coming from them. So it's important to kind of have that view over time too. And I like to, like I said, I like to track my activity, right? When I do an experiment like that, I like to document it. Okay. And uh, one thing with spreadsheets, yeah, they're awesome. People will think you're a magician. I used to use them a lot too. Can you tell people what a uh, pivot table is? Yeah, a pivot table just kind of lets you sort things based on a bunch of different criteria, right? So instead of just like sort from A to Z that whatever you can say, I'm going to sort on, you know, these five criteria that I want to see. It's once it's one of those things like just go watch a YouTube on how to make a pivot table and it will change your life basically. Now, do you know if Google Spreadsheets does pivot table? Because I haven't tried in there. It does. However, I'm trying to actually switch yeah. over to Google Sheets from Excel. That's been my new thing. So I can get it any computer, any device, anywhere instead of having it tied locally someplace. They, it, it does. Yeah, it does pivot tables. I don't use them as much now. And I'm, I asked you because I thought you may be able to define it better than, than me. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you can group you can group data together. You can look at like sums and you can see sort of trends and just mix yeah. and match and see things on a daily basis based on different categories or whatever. I mean, it just allows Instead you to look just at data. Like, you know, if you think of a regular chart, if you're just sorting from A to Z or and even if you're like sorting by keywords that have the word cat in them, right? Just kind of like a thing you can say cat with this search volume and this kind of all in one spreadsheet. Yeah. And then the other one of my other favorite functions this is a good conversation here. Just the V lookup, right? I mean, yeah. people will think you're a magician. And I even ran into that in my consulting job where people were like looking things up by like visually by like manually. And I'm like, what are you, you're spending like four hours and you're getting it wrong because you can't count in the hundreds. So anyway, V lookups are great too, if you could figure those out. 
Yeah, with lots of helpful videos on YouTube on everything, Excel, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think there's only like four parameters. So pretty easy to set up, uh, like super powerful. So anyway, any other tools that you could think of? That's about it. And I like, honestly, I like old school pen and paper too. I'm, I'm very like low tech in that way, just because mm-hmm. I don't know, overcompensating for having six websites. I like a notebook, a good notebook and I like my Excel sheets. Perfect. And a lot of people want to know about like pl- any plugins or favorite themes since you have yes, a lot of experience. Yes. Uh, um, what do you got? One of the most important things, and I actually rethemed my main website this year after having like, I literally had a five-year-old theme on there that I had just left for the last five years, which was a terrible idea. So after I got hit by that Google update, I'm like, all right, let me focus on page speed, which is actually a really important ranking factor. And it's not just page speed in general, it's mobile page speed and desktop page speed, right? You have to pay attention to both of them, especially based on where your traffic's coming. I really, my new thing is generate press because it's easy, right? I can retheme a website in half an hour. What is now, I'm trying to think, that's, that's my new thing that I just put on everything. And they have a bunch of pre-built stuff. So if you're not a coder and I can code, I just don't like to do it. It's very visual, very easy to customize. I don't like the themes that require you to get a developer involved or any of that stuff, even though I could probably do it myself. Like I want quick and easy. I don't really want to worry about anything. So that is super important. And my other thing would be to limit your plugins, right? Before you install a plugin, ask yourself, do I really need this? And can I get a plugin that will do these three things I need, right? Instead of just having three different plugins, can I, you know, have one? So uh, I use all-in-one SEO as my SEO plugin. I despise Yoast. I think it's too bloated and just has too much stuff going on. I don't need that at that point, right? I, I just need to be able to set my meta descriptions and call it a day, right? I don't want any of your advanced, you know, well, your reading score on your article. I don't really care. So that's a big thing. Have a good SEO plugin, whatever you decide you want to use. I'm trying to think what else. There's a lot of plugins that can speed up a cruddy website, but my advice would be to go back to basics, really go in and audit your plugins. Do you need anything? Can you combine function within plugins and take a good hard look at your theme? It's got to be modern and it's got to be lightweight. So pay attention to, um, page speed, right? So from a plugin perspective, like I said, I try to keep it pretty bare bones. There's um one I really like that does a table of contents for you. I think it's called like easy table of contents or something like that. That's something I could do myself with HTML, but it's just so much easier to have a plugin too. So look at that too. And it's lightweight. Another trick is, I'm sorry, I'm going on this whole diatribe now. Another trick is when you do, um, when you do your um, Google page speed testing, right? You can see it loads your code and it tells you what scripts it's loading. If you see a script loading and you recognize that that's a plugin name, see if you can get rid of it, right? So Jetpack is notoriously bloated and it slows down your site a lot, but a lot of new bloggers, oh, Jetpack will do everything for me. Jetpack is terrible, get rid of it. It slows you down. So pay attention to your plugins and pay attention how to how they relate to your page speed. Yes. And I, I actually used to use Jetpack because I did yeah, too. It had a couple, it's it was easy. in the course. It was in the course. So you, you didn't, uh, I mean, well, you were blogging beforehand, so you, you yeah, should have exactly. known. But um, yeah, Jetpack looks good because it's all integrated and everything. And it looks like one plugin, but it has like a hundred different functionalities that you and layer on top. a lot of it is top. habit because I'm like, oh, I use Jetpack to see my traffic. It took me a little while to retrain myself just to go to Google Analytics instead, but I did it and I'm okay now. I survived. Right. And one of the um, plugins that is like slowing down my site at, over at Niche Site Project is Optin Monster. And oh, yeah. it's, it's loading scripts and like, I need it for some stuff, but my site would load so much faster if I didn't have, I mean, it's just a heavy, like bloated piece of software. Yeah. Um, quick question on the generate press. Does it have a meta description and meta title so that you don't even need an SEO plugin? Just curious. No, I think I have the SEO plugin too. No, I don't okay. think that includes it. Gotcha. Um, I'm using... There was one uh, DIY themes I used too on one of my other sites. And that was something you recommended from the course. Now that has everything integrated. You can do your affiliate disclaimer. It has your meta description. It has everything in it. You don't even really need plugins. So that's an interesting one too. That's actually what my main site uses. But that does require a little bit of knowledge to use and to make it do what you want it to do. Yep. And that, that's actually what I use on niche site project. And yeah. I'm just playing around with another 
theme at this point in time, but yeah, focus. Um, I know the founder yeah, focus, over there. Thesis, yeah, that, it's, it's really good. It has, every, you don't need any other plugins. It does like, you know, you need to plug in over for my Google analytics. No, it does everything for you. All the stuff. Yeah. Chris is it's really super smart. Fast. Super yeah. Fast. It's a great theme. Okay, cool. I'm trying to think if there was any other big topics, but is there anything that maybe I didn't ask you about that you want to mention? No, I think that's about it. My only advice to people getting started is diversify your content as well, right? So I think I hit, I hit my, I started hitting my $300 a month because of articles I actually wrote last year that were very seasonal. They're going to do well in the summertime because most of my traffic is in the U.S. It's summertime now, so they're going to do well in the summertime. But, you know, last month I realized, okay, but what happens when summer is over? So I started switching gears and trying to write articles I know will do well in the wintertime because, you know, you got to figure, especially in a news site, it takes Google a while to figure out what you're about. You publish an article, you might not see the fruits of your labor for several months. So always try to keep ahead of the ball and um, focus on seasonal content, especially when you notice you're heavily seasonal in one area. So if you have a lot of summer content that's doing well, and, you know, depending on what topic you're writing about, it all varies. Make sure you have some content that's going to do well, you know, the spring, the fall and the winter, too. So you don't find yourself, you know, oh, now I'm making nothing when I was doing so well before. So really just diversify your content. Pay attention to seasonality. That's not something I started looking at until very, very recently. OK. And you actually triggered another question. Google Sandbox. So Yeah, it's real. It's real. People say it's not. It totally is. Because I, so, I think I sent you my analytics and you can see pretty much when I left the sandbox. Okay. And that, that was it about six months, right? Yeah, about is, six months, I think. Is the site a year old yet? Yeah, the site's a year old. It was a year old July 5th or something like that. Did you see an uptick yet for the sort of year mark? I think it's hard to tell because a lot of my content's doing well this summer, and I've seen it continue to do well as the summer progresses. So it hasn't plateaued throughout the summer. It's not like it went up and stayed the same. It's still increasing. So. Okay. And it def I've heard, you know, from more and more people, like after 12 months, there seems to be a, a pop as well. And it could be, you know, based on how old the articles are. So I wonder if mm -hmm. it'll just, you know, like you said, you, you're seeing growth, you're not seeing Yeah. And, you know, speaking about my love of data, I think it'll be interesting now that the site is a year old to look at some of those articles that I wrote almost a year ago that maybe weren't doing so well. Maybe they'll start to pick up a little too. All right. Awesome. Well, any other tips or advice for people that want to replicate? I think you covered it pretty well. A yeah, ago. that's it. Um, this isn't a, I don't do this as a sprint. I think it's a long game. I think as long as anybody is willing to sit down and put the time and the effort in and have a great course like yours that you can all be successful too. All right. Thanks a lot, Melissa. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Melissa. And don't forget, shoot me an email if you have follow-up questions or any feedback on this episode. I do want to mention that I've been digging in a little bit more with the HARO, Help a Reporter Out. And I've been seeing some pretty cool results. I've been testing a little bit more with Anthony as well. So keep an eye out for that. And if you have any specific questions or success stories, or if you're trying out Haro and you have observations, I would love to know what you're, what you're doing, number one. And I thank all the folks that have sent in information already. A lot of people have contributed and mentioned things are working or not working well. And I would love to hear your questions on Help a Reporter Out and how you might be able to use it for your niche site or otherwise. Moving on, I'm recording this from my childhood home down in Georgia. And I was thinking about how great it is with the work that I do, that I can do this from anywhere. I can just bring a laptop. I have a little recorder and it just all fits in my backpack. I don't have to have a, a big setup. And I, you know what? Technically, I could be doing this outside, but it's honestly so humid around here. I don't even know if electronics would work out there. Who knows? I mean, it's like 90% humidity. But seriously, I mean, it is cool to be able to produce this content, do YouTube videos, I can write and of course record a podcast like this and help people out, teach people basically from anywhere in the world. I'll be honest with you, I do miss my office and my bed. I mean, we just moved to a new house in the last six months and my normal routine, I very much like my, my routine, walk the dog a couple miles in a 
sort of the same route and we see the same squirrels and rabbits and hawks and stuff like that. So I do, I miss the neighborhood and I'll be back there in a couple of days. In fact, by the time you listen to this, I will be back. <laughs> but I do enjoy traveling and we haven't been traveling as much, but I definitely enjoy not like a sort of a really fast sort of a interval where you you get to a town, you stay there for a day, and then you keep going and going and going. We sort of adopted this slow travel method where we weren't in a rush. We got to hang out for at least two weeks. And a lot of times it was more like a month. A month was kind of ideal. And we extended that sort of slow travel into about three months. But usually we wouldn't try to go to a place like the Southeast in Atlanta in the middle of August because it's unpleasant. So we would we would migrate north where it was cooler and it felt better. And uh, in the winter, we would head south. So, uh, you know, things just worked out the way they did. But I don't know how we got onto this topic other than if you do this kind of work, you just need a laptop, a couple little things. And honestly, I mean, this laptop here, I think it's like six years old. You don't even need a new fancy laptop. You can get a lot done. And I participated in a, a uh, sort of live virtual event, Pubtelligence, which should put a link in the uh, show notes for that. I think you can get the, what do you call it? The recording you can, and check that out. I may end up putting that on my YouTube channel. So if you don't see a link, it's not out there yet. All right. So we're still, we're working on that, but I did all the normal stuff on the road and didn't have to bring a big setup. Just pretty cool. I appreciate that uh, I'm in this position where I can do that. And I mean, well, you can too. I mean, that that's kind of the point of that. You can do this stuff. You just need a laptop. You don't need anything super fancy. And in fact, last summer around this time, I did that trip to Alaska where I just had a very cheap Chromebook. It was like a $150 Chromebook and just traveled with that, maintained everything that I was uh, doing and everything worked out fine. So I'll leave it at that. Have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.